You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number, number uh, excuse me, 215. Uh, who cares? I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, it's Cowboys week. It's Beat Dallas week, if you're Nick Sirianni, and a lot of <laughs> people. But specifically, if you're Nick Sirianni wearing the t-shirt that says Beat Dallas in his continued pandering. Uh, excited, Jimmy? Big game, Monday Night Football against the Cowboys. Just did the NFC East mixtape with our good enemy, not friend, enemy, RJ Ochoa blogging the boys. So we had some some uh, good talk there. We made a bet. Uh, so obviously really hope the Cowboys do not win. So then I don't have to live up to that bet that we made, which you can listen to again on that podcast. Uh, but Jimmy, before we get into today's show, which is jam-packed, I have to tell you, BGN Radio brought to you by RachelSellin.com, discount code BGN. 15 for 15% off. Where do we start today, James? Real quick, uh, RJ, I saw him tweet something out about um, uh, the Eagles Eagles fans talking about the Cowboys and their 25-year, um, you know, going 25 years without having won a Super Bowl. And, you know, he's reminding, of course, well, the Eagles went a lot longer with that. And there's a fan base that should know that, like, you know, like, just to shut up about that kind of thing, it should be them. I don't, that's not exact. I don't know if that was exactly his sentiment, but I would counter to RJ before we get off, mm. uh, before we get onto our, our own topics. Um, that it's not just that they haven't won a Super Bowl in 25 years. It's that they're one of three teams in the NFC that have not been to an NFC championship game even in the last 25 years. Can you name the other two, Brandon? It isn't, isn't it the uh, Lions and the football team? That is correct. And mm, also – Great company. E- <laughs> every other team in the NFC, by the way, uh, has been to at least two NFC wow. championship games during that span. So it's not just that they haven't been to a Super Bowl in 25 years. It's just that they've been – I mean, they're always relevant because they're – you know, such a high profile, widely followed team. But if we were just boiling it, boiling, boiling it down to football only and not all the attention and the hype that they get kind of irrelevant <laughs> over the last mm. 25 years. So, uh, that would be my counter to, uh, you know, our frenemy, uh, RJ Ochoa. So, uh, let's start with the Eagles 49ers game. Uh, some of our big takeaways from uh, the Eagles' loss on Sunday. Why don't you start us off, buddy? All right, Jimmy. So I think the big story coming out of the Eagles' loss to the 49ers, at least for me, some of the big picture items are the big picture people in Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts. Why don't we start with the head coach who 
I think it's fair to put the Eagles' loss to the 49ers on Nick Sirianni, or at least a big, if we're, you know, divvying out blame. I think the head coach certainly a rough day. always, always, and almost any loss deserves blame, but especially in this game, it was very apparent, very obvious. Uh, a couple things I didn't like, Jimmy, let me tell you. First of all, I didn't like how much they were like running the ball early on on a 49ers defense that I thought was very gettable. Yes. And it's literally starting Josh Norman, who was like a free agent. <laughs> a and a fifth round before. rookie, by the way. Yeah, and, and uh, our guy DL, whatever is his, uh, Yamador <laughs> Lenore. Yeah. Um, so, like, you know, that should not be a matchup that is presenting the most challenge. And also, the, like, you're running again on. I, I feel like they, so I think they're a little too conservative in that way. Yeah, Obviously, they have a beefy like, defensive line, very tough, rugged defensive line. And I, arguably, like, the best linebacker in the, in the NFL now, maybe? Yeah, Fred Warner. For, yep. he's, Fred Warner's awesome. He was so good in that game. Anyway, continue. So that was frustrating to me. And then obviously we all saw the play calling uh, at the first and goal situation from the one yard line where the Eagles were not able to score. And you said it in real time, Jimmy, I believe, or maybe you said it after the fact, but it was like, just sneak the ball. I mean, that's like the most basic take. Like it doesn't take like, you know, like a, uh, a football degree as Dick Sirianni has said he has before to, to know that. But like, like that was so frustrating. It's like, what are we doing? Like for me, Jimmy, how many people, like in the Eagles themselves, like players, the coaches, whatever, talk about how they like we are one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And like, okay, then why aren't you sneaking the ball with a quarterback too, who is also like not weak and not like he can some squat six hundred pounds. Yeah, what are we doing here? So that was pretty frustrating too. To like that's the game. And as I was saying to uh, my good friend Stats on the Oddcast earlier this week, where I had to sing, uh, "I left my heart in San Francisco because the Eagles lost to the Forty ers Um, you have. Uh, you don't have the room for error. Like the Chiefs can get away with that. You know, some of these better teams in the NFL can get away with not scoring at the one yard line. There, the Eagles can't. They're just right. not that yes. good enough to like have a big mistake like that. Agreed. And obviously, it was a huge swing for the 49ers to go down and have this huge drive themselves. And and that was basically kind of the game right there. Um, so that was pretty frustrating. So like I I don't I don't like normally like micromanaging play calling. Uh, but on that four, you know, play sequence from first and goal from the one, let's just run through the four plays very quickly. So the first play was, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts rolled out to his right. They had one receiver in the pattern. It was Zach Hurts. He was covered and that was it. Like it was like, and then there was no running lane for, for Hurts. So they had to throw the ball away. Okay. Second down, second down, they ran, uh, it was a run play to Sanders to the right. But on that play, like they pulled Isaac. Uh, on that like it wasn't just straight ahead blocking blow them off the ball get into the end zone there was like you know they're they're pulling their their lineman to the to the right and um making it more um more involved than i I think than it than it needed to be uh third down they run that weird sort of like i don't want to call it an option but like where hertz has the ball in sanders gut and he's kind of running along with them (laughs) like to the outside just throw that play out of the playbook and then obviously the uh the the Philly special play, which with all the pandering that he's been doing with the mm. Phillies apparel and the Allen Iverson jersey pregame and the Jalen Hurts shirt, and then even today it's continued on with the beat Dallas shirt, as you already mentioned. I like it kind of felt do you think there was anything pandering going on there? Like of all the plays you could run, all the trick plays you could maybe do, he runs the most famous play in Philadelphia sports history. It's got to be something to that, right? I don't think it's like there's 0% to that is what I would say. 
<laughs> but obviously that failed horribly as well. There's again on that play, uh, Greg Ward winds up being the quarterback in the Trey Burton role. And again, only one receiver in the pattern and it's Jalen Hurts. He's covered. And Ward oddly, I think, I think he was trying to throw it to Hurts. It looked a lot like a throwaway. I think it was just a bad throw though. Uh, he might have had a fighting chance to get in. I don't think he was going to get in if he ran anyway, but he might have had a chance. Well, yeah, make uh, him miss a tackle or something. Right. Just, you know, throw out of bounds. There's no chance. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought that he had a chance to, uh, to get in. Uh, but certainly the throw that he made was, was, uh, again, I don't think he was throwing it away. I think it was just a bad throw. Um, mm-hmm. and then the 49ers, uh, counter that failed. Uh, four down sequence and they rattle off a 12 play or I think it was 12 anyway 97, 97. yard touchdown drive uh, that included the lone uh, 20 plus yard pass play of the season that the Eagles have allowed uh, on a crosser by uh, Debo Samuel Samuel is 40 yards I believe gets them in position they they punch it in and uh, that's the game like if that if that sequence doesn't happen the Eagles are very likely 2 and 0 the city is going excuse my language mm. ape shit right now over like a 2 and 0 team uh, headed to Dallas week 3 with a chance to you know really put a, a, a an early stamp on this division so I think part of this is, you know, Nick Sirianni is a first-time play caller yeah. in the sense that he's never done it before. And maybe that you can kind of say this is growing pains to some extent. Um, I would say that Nick Sirianni, to his credit, took accountability after the loss, which I'm not trying to give him a gold star for, but I feel like not all coaches would it's something. do that. I agree, yeah. Like Doug Peterson, I you know, I love Doug. But in the past, he's kind of been like uh, not always willing <laughs> to always like to take the, the L on, stuff yeah. like that. As much as he might be a little stubborn about it, so that's at least good to see. Uh, Chip know, certainly sure never took the L. Oh no, yeah. So <laughs> you know, I, I think there is something to that. Again, not everything you have to you know do better next time. It doesn't matter what you say in the press conference, but uh, you know, nice little sign. Getting to the Jalen Hurts part of it, Jimmy. Uh, I, I'm curious, I guess, to to see what you would grade his performance because it was kind of a weird one, and this kind of touches on Sirianni still, but the game plan from week one was clearly to throw everything short. Jalen Hurts had the lowest average mm-hmm. intended air yards in the league, and we had talked about that a lot and kind of had said, like, you know, that number is probably going to have to come up moving forward, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect it to be literally, like, at the top <laughs> the of the entire opposite. NFL. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that seems like that. So that's kind of a criticism I have, too, of Sirianni. It seems like, like, I... I said at the top of the show here, yes, they should be passing the ball. But I think in the way they did it, it just felt like super aggressive to go from like the one strategy again to keep everything short to go, okay, now we're doing everything long. Like feels like there's probably some middle ground in there that could be reached, uh, maybe a little more balance in that regard. Um, so that was kind of weird. And, you know, I don't think Hertz was great, clearly. I think those big plays that he missed to Devontae Smith and Nick Sirianni did admit in Thursday's press conference that Jalen Hurts didn't it wasn't so much the arm strength issue as he like he didn't get the ball off right. at the right spot he was supposed to set up sooner to throw on mm-hmm. that play but, like those are big plays he left on the field and maybe Devontae Smith wasn't necessarily perfect on those but I mean I thought he had a step I mean you were in the stadium you saw it mm-hmm. I thought he'd step on most of those or at least both of those I think there was three or two he, he, I think Devontae did his part and the quarterback couldn't hit him and that was a big deal and then uh, so yeah, so I guess like, how are you feeling about Jalen Hurts? What would you kind of grade him after that performance? So I thought the two deep throws, I feel like two really nice deep throws. The one to Quez obviously was right on the money. And then, um, the deep throw to Rager was also on the money. I thought Rager 
did uh we'll get to Rager in a minute, but I thought he did a good job getting to the ball, like fighting through the the contact of the of the cornerback getting to the ball, but obviously he ran a terrible route right. because he was too close to the sideline. And you know, obviously that touchdown that by the way, that's probably the game too. Like if, if that touchdown counts, they're up ten nothing and really in the mm-hmm. driver's seat in that game, but uh it wasn't to be. Uh but as far as Hertz goes yeah, I thought those those two deep balls were really nice. I think that's actually kind of like a strength of his game. Like he's got he's got nice touch on those deep throws. Uh, mm-hmm. But as you mentioned, the there was a missed opportunity on on, on the throw to uh, Devonte Smith, and then you know like he just didn't work the middle of the field at all. He hasn't for the first <laughs> two weeks. Like well, I don't know if you saw dating the, back to last season even. Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, I don't know if you saw the chart that uh, Josh Norris put out. I, I did. Where it's got like all the dots of like where his throws went and they're all outside the numbers. Uh, and a me, lot of them are on the right side a lot of the field, of them are 64%. Right side. That's not out of the ordinary. So right-handed quarterbacks are always thrown over there and, or there are more, that's the more dominant side and left-handed quarterbacks. Uh, they're the more dominant side is to the, is to the left. Um, cause I mean, that makes sense too. Cause it's sort of like the way they're facing as they're kind of dropping mm-hmm. back. Um, but yeah, uh, there, there's way more to the right than the left and nothing in the middle. So that's got to change. Like they, they can't just, ignore that area of the field or they're going to be super easy to defend. And uh, I mean, just to look at the chart that, that Josh Norris put out, I think it's worth finding if, uh, if you're on Twitter, Uh, Josh Norris, uh, I think he's got his own thing going now. He used to be with NBC, but uh, he, he, uh, he put that out and and it's kind of jarring, like how, how little activity that, that there is uh, in the middle of the field and his passing. So, um, you know, we didn't see enough of that. I mean, I get it. Like their linebackers are really good. It's a strength of their team. So it makes sense to avoid them in there. And then even against the Falcons, like one of their lone good players on defense is Deion Jones. So I kind of get that too. In this game against the Cowboys, and again, we'll get to this in the second segment, like their linebackers aren't a strength anymore, I don't think, uh, especially with Michael Parsons moving to defensive end. So they have to work the middle of the field against them. But as far as just Jalen Hurts' overall play, you know, yeah. uh, Nick Sirianni did a great job week one of game planning to his strengths and avoiding his weaknesses. And I didn't see that same, uh, that, that, that same result in week two. And, you know, it shouldn't be on Nick Sirianni to have a great game plan for Jalen Hurts every single week. There's going to be times where Jalen Hurts has to go out and, and, you know, win games for, for this team. And, and certainly when you only give up 17 points in a game, um, he didn't make enough play. Like, we, we, we all point to the, you know, the four play sequence and, you know, I pointed to the bad play calls on all four of those plays, but, you know, Hertz has to take, uh, you know, some of the responsibility and in, in only, you know, putting up 11 points uh, in that game in, in a game that, you know, I thought the defense did its part and, and was very winnable. Yeah. So if you look at the, some of the numbers here for him, um, and the, there was another throw he missed to Dallas Goddard later on that Tim McManus highlighted. Um, but- too much reliance on his legs, too. Sorry to cut you off. Like, um, I, I think he he wasn't. I mean, you already mentioned he was he was too slow to get the ball out on the deep ball to to Devonte Smith. There were other times where like on short downs and distances where they need a first down. You know, I think like a quick hitter was there, but just didn't pull the trigger, and then. I think like um you know mo- most of the, like their rushing yards especially from from him obviously were on passing plays so I don't think they really had their run game necessarily going in that game and the st- the stats look inflated and I you know and the rushing yards that he that he got I think were at the expense of yards that they could have had through the air Yeah I think the 49ers like clearly 
to some extent, were like okay with that, okay with him taking those. Yep, and like having him to continue to drive. Yeah, it inspired. Yeah, and also, yeah, it seemed like he had those lanes to rush through, and he took advantage of them to his credit, and that's always something he's going to have going for him. And it helped in that final drive, you know, when they mm-hmm. scored the touchdown finally. He was able to gobble up yards that way, and there's value in that. I mean, you know, a day where you finish your, your game with a 52.2% pass or, or uh, completion for zero touchdowns and an 80 pass rating, and then outside of the Quez Watkins play, which you can't just ignore, but, like, outside of that play, he logged just 4.5 yards per attempt. Like, not, not very good. Um, it looked like his game so, last year. I, I would agree with that. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, another thing that kind of frustrated me or something we talked about here with the tight ends, Jimmy, like in, in the middle of the field, like that was, that was a question I had going into the season. I'm like, mm-hmm. how is, cause it's, it's frustrating because you have these players on your team. You have two good tight ends in Dallas Goddard and Zach Gertz. And I don't think, you know, we've said before, we don't think the offense should be run entirely through 12, but I mean, they have to be a factor. They can't be sure. like non-factors on the yeah. team. Zach Gertz making 8.5 million or, you know, eight, the Eagles could have cleared 8.5 million as we've covered extensively. If he's not on the team, he's 40 yards through two games. Like, come on. Right. Like, like, what are we doing here? Um, so yeah, would like to see them be a little more involved. Uh, and obviously, so feast or famine with the receivers. Quez had that big play, which it was a great throw by Jalen Hurts. He got crushed on that throw, or yeah. he got hit because Landon Dickerson, that was like his first NFL snap, and he got blown back into Hurts. And then on the deep ball to Rager, I thought that was a great throw too, which I guess it's time to get into that, Jimmy, because <laughs> yeah. man, oh man. Uh, I think that, I think that play somehow isn't getting talked about enough in terms of like how big of a play that was. Like you said, that's a huge swing. You go up 10 to zero. The link is rocking at the, the at that point. You were there on yeah. Sunday. You that like the crowd was fired up. That's the point where like, okay, the crowd is like super into it. You know, the, the 49ers come out for that next drive at that point. And I think they ended up punting anyway, but like, you know, the, the crowd is going nuts. You know, the, there's a chance for another big stop. You get the ball back again. And like, it, just to not have that. And, I can't believe, like, I, I just... What was the Jimmy, result how many of that times? drive? Was that, was that the blocked field goal? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so Jalen Rigger, you know, non-touchdown. I can't believe that happened. Like, how many receivers in the NFL have touchdowns nullified because they run out of bounds on the way to the end zone? <laughs> yeah. It's not like a red zone no, it, play. it doesn't happen. You're right. Yeah, that's what it's I mean. Ve- it doesn't it's very, happen. It's, it's pretty rare. So, like, that's so freaking frustrating, man. And I honestly, you know, Jimmy... Have I been talking about vibes a lot? Yes, I have. Listeners know it maybe too much, but the vibes were all good. I was feeling great about the Eagles going into that game, or pretty good. I'm like, how are they not going to be a team that's starting Josh Norman right now and is banged <laughs> yeah. up and at the link and every and it felt like they could have and it felt like they were going to and they were going to and then it, they didn't because Jalen Rager, who and I tweeted this at the time, which is a very podcast thing to say and no one cares, <laughs> but I and I've said this before is like I feel. Like, there's such a Nelson Aguilar element to him, and people got mad about that. But, like, it's so true in the sense that, like, this is a talented player, but there it's never a clean performance. And obviously, Aguilar was really good in 2017. But outside of that, like, he might do some good things, but there's always going to be this, like, just, like, boneheaded, like, super frustrating play that makes you want to pull your hair out. And it's just like, I don't even want to watch that guy because I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop with Jalen Rager. And a play like that is, like, the like the epitome of that kind of thing, where it's just, like, it's never, it's never like Quez Watkins, who just has, like, a really good catch. And then another really good catch in the game. And then there's no like massive gaffe or something like, oh, that was so stupid. Like with Rager, it just feels like it's always that way. And honestly, Jimmy, when I was looking back at the snap count. Yeah, I was just going to bring those one, up. Yeah, what would we have like a dozen like, more? Yeah, what are we doing? Jalen Rager is playing 72 or played 72% 
in week two. That was the highest or second highest of any skill player. Devontae Smith obviously should mm-hmm. be in the top at number one. Quez Watkins is down at 50%. Like, can we not do that? Like, can we play like uh, Jalen Rager a little bit less and Quez Watkins a little bit more? Like, that has to happen to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. And like, there, there isn't anything that, so like Quez, I, I, like Rager's effective on like, or, in theory, effective on like screenplays and and deep down the field and whatnot because of his speed and and like I guess one of his traits coming out of college was um, that he was really good after the catch. We've been seeing that uh, a lot early in his career. He did have obviously the screen pass that he took to the house against the Falcons week one. Uh, but Quez can do all that stuff too. So like it's not like you know you're losing this trait or that trait by taking Rager off the field and putting Quez Watkins on it. Like I think Quez Watkins can do everything that Rager can do and possibly more. So I'm with you there for sure. Why don't we flip over to the defense? Because uh, so I did winners, losers. I don't know, so like I usually do after the game. And I felt weird putting about the defense in the winner section because they lost the game, and also um, they didn't get any sacks, and I think they had two quarterback hits, and they didn't have any takeaways. So I think the defense has been good overall. I think Jonathan Gannon, I would say, has done a good job overall. But those things I mentioned, like, you're still looking for those. Like, where are the splash plays? I know, like, the the, the model, it seems to be, for this defense, which I think is a, a sound model, is to, like, make the other team drive, these long drives, mm-hmm. and not give up those big plays. And they've done a good job. But, like, at some point, I feel like, though, you kind of have to put your foot on the gas somewhere and, like, pick your spots. Or you have to come up with big plays. And maybe I'm being unfair because Anthony Harris dropped what could have been a pick. And then, obviously, the Darius Slay. Yeah. yeah. One, like, one so, they recovered, one they didn't. So, yeah, so maybe I'm being a little bit unfair, but, like, I mean, they don't have, again, they have no takeaways through two weeks. Mm-hmm. and they right. don't I should have... say one they recovered, but it didn't count, <laughs> and one they didn't. Right, right. And they don't have a sack outside of the last two drives against the Falcons, Like when, again, the game was kind of in hand, and then the Falcons were kind of, like, in desperation mode, and the Eagles were just teeing off. Like, they haven't had a sack, like, that, like a, you know, in a really big spot, like, when the game is tied or whatever, to kind of, like, force a punt. Like, they haven't had that. So, uh, kind of just looking for more out of them. What's your impression? So I'm fine with the defense almost across the board, really. Like, I'm less concerned about the sack numbers and uh, the QB hit numbers because I think these were both, you know, a pair of teams that, like, I mean, legitimately like to get the ball out very quickly. And against Atlanta, like, Matt Ryan was under pressure the entire day. Like, I mean, the the Eagles defensive line, like, clearly <laughs> won that, like, won that battle and then some that day. So I'm okay with, with the way that they've played, uh, certainly in that game and then, Against the mm-hmm. Niners, uh, they weren't as dominant. It's, I mean, it's obviously a much better offensive line that San Francisco has than than Atlanta does. Um, so that's part of it. But as far as like you know, only allowing the one play, like we mentioned, of of only only one play of twenty plus yards, it's a stark contrast to what we've seen over the last few years under Jim Schwartz. So you know, like the lack of turnovers, uh, it's not gonna that's not gonna be okay over the long haul. But um, you know, they they almost had one against Matt Ryan. Um, where like it was a grounding call that, you know, kind of close to being a fumble. Actually, he kind of like spiked it. And like, I thought he threw it backwards. Like it should have been a fumble and, and a turnover it wasn't called that way. And then, um, you know, they, they did have the, the two consecutive plays against the 49ers that, that were fumbles. One resulted in the Derek Barnett cheap shot. The other was, you know, really kind of a tough call in my opinion on Kayvon Wallace for, uh, you know, the helmet to helmet shot. Um, I think they'll come, but. You know, this is this was a game that, you know, getting back to what you were talking about, like with the growing pains and with like, is this was this an okay loss? Like, in my opinion, it wasn't. So, like, I look at past games where 
you know, you might consider that game like an quote unquote, okay loss. Like I look at like week two uh, in 2017 when the Eagles yeah. lost to the chiefs in Kansas city or like when they lost in uh, Tampa, uh, I believe that was also week two um, in what was that? 2018 where, I mean, they just, they just caught a quarterback that was on, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I don't want to say like, you know, some great quarterback or something like that, but he was on fire that day. And they just ran into a team with like a lot of speed that made just a lot of big plays. Like they, those teams came out and won those games as opposed to like the Eagles losing it. I thought the right. Eagles lost this game. Like the, agree. The, the, the 49ers didn't come out and win this game. The Eagles lost no. it. So yeah. like, I don't think it's an okay loss. Like it's, and, and you know, I, I think the Eagles are better than, I, I, I think they're actually, significantly better than I thought they were going to be like a month ago. So that's good um, in terms of like them already sort of exceeding at least my expectations. I can't speak for anybody else, but they're exceeding my expectations. But, you know, with the expectations sort of like being reset after week one, like this was a game that, that they should have won and just didn't. I think it's a fair way to put it. Um, I would say this game was kind of like a reality check after the first week. Maybe after That's the fair first too, week, you're yeah. thinking like this team could be really good. Maybe they can even win double digit games. Like I think this kind of game shows that um, they could have won it, but I think they still have flaws and like is probably is there, there are reasons here why we do think they're going to be like maybe more so seven and ten or eight and nine or around that neighborhood because they have issues. They're not a perfect team. To get take it back to the defense before we yeah. wrap up here, Jimmy. Um, like I guess part of my problem. I don't have a problem with the defense as a whole. Again, I think Gannon has done a good job, but like, where are the playmakers on this defense? Like, who's going to step up and make a play? You know, Javon Hargrave has been awesome. No, like, no argument there. Best player on the team. And, and that's a big deal, but like, okay, who else? Like, who's going to step up and like make a big play? Like, can Fletcher Cox do that? Because that's going to be really important, especially Mm -hmm. with Brandon Graham going down. And on the Fletcher Cox note, Jimmy, uh, I looked at all the, top 10 interior defensive line contracts in the NFL in terms of annual value as listed by over the cap. And you look at Fletcher Cox and you know, you could say this is a small sample size or whatever. It's only six games, but you look at his numbers compared to all those other guys and Fletcher Cox only has one sack and one quarterback hit. And all those other players no have, or yeah, uh, wait one. He's one. He, he has a sack. Fletcher Cox does. He, yeah, his last six games, I said. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the Sheriffs. My bad. No, yeah, his last. So going back into last, okay. late last year. So like, come on, man. Like, if you're the highest paid player on the team, and I don't want to hear like, oh, he's getting double. You're telling me none of these other top ten interior defensive linemen are ever getting doubled. I mean, because like, we get we get okay. people put stats out on that, by the way, on on Twitter from time to time. Like, uh, you know, the the highest percentage of double teams are seen by defensive linemen or whatever, and. I remember last year at one point, like he wasn't on the list. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the idea that, I mean, he got, he certainly get double team, like no question sure. about it. Like he is, he is seeing his not like literally teams. every play. Of course not. Like he's not, he's not getting the same kind of attention like an Aaron Donald gets obviously, but, um, you know, and he does get doubled and, you know, he, he, he does draw attention. Like there's no question about it that like offensive coordinators across the league obviously know who he is and they know that like he can't, like he can't single block him all day or eventually he's going to he's going to kill you or at least that's kind of was his mo over the last few years but it's not like you know he's facing these double teams from you know the start of the game to the end and like sort of nothing else in between like he does have opportunities to make plays and just they just haven't been there yet i mean if take it for what it's worth but pff has him ranked 33rd out of 42 defensive tackles this year and just going from an eye test standpoint like where are the big plays like i know uh, he opens things up for Javon Hargrave. I know the double, like I know all that, 
but like you have to produce too. You're getting when you get paid elite money. Yes. You don't just get paid elite money to help other teammates be better and then you do nothing. Like this isn't like don't make this like a Ben Simmons thing here because that also doesn't hold water. Like you have to produce yourself, and he hasn't been. And uh, I'm not trying to crush him and say he's a bad player. I don't think he's a bad player, but I'm saying like, we're not seeing elite production from a player who's getting paid to be like the best player on this team. He's the highest cap number in the team. Like and he, again, especially with blg going down brandon graham not being here being on the season is over like they need someone to step up on the defensive line i think it has to be fletcher cox not only from on the field but a leadership standpoint too like you know he's the veteran in that room he's the star player so we'll see if he does that fletcher cox joined us jimmy uh more specifically joined rachel prevet on bgn radio so we had an interview with him so people can listen to that you missed so, that. Th- so uh, thanks fletcher <laughs> yeah thanks for coming on I, i'm not trying to say he sucks you know i'm just saying like it'd be nice to see a little more uh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, why don't we take a break here, Jimmy, and then we'll get into the cowboys of it all. But before we do, Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. You can get some by going to RighteousFelon.com using discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 to get 15% off. They have the best dang meat snacks. Jimmy, uh, I think I was telling you. So, you know, I I got some Righteous Felon Craft Jerky recently. And the jerky is great and all, but the biltong is even better to me. That stuff is tender. So let's say maybe you're out there and you're kind of skeptical. You're like, oh, I'm, I don't like jerky or whatever. You get the biltong, it's really tender and soft, and but in, in a good way. So I think you got to give that a try. I think you would like it even if you're not the biggest jerky fan. Then they have non-meat snacks available at righteousfillin.com too. So you can always check those out and use the same discount code. And then, Jimmy, if you have a dog, which you do specifically, but if other people do too, Go to wildnaturepet.com and use the same discount code BGN15 for 15% off dog treats. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, a couple like ending notes here, I guess, that kind of bled over from the first mm-hmm. into the second segment. Um, these are the NFL's most penalized team through two games. Like that's something to watch. I didn't realize any that. Thoughts I, on that? I, do you know how many uh, penalties there are total? I think yards? it's like twenty-two or so. <laughs> Actually, uh, I saw something somewhere where like uh, there was the most penalties, like overall league-wide, um, uh, like in in I think ever maybe like over the first two weeks, like the most flags thrown by the officials. Uh, that might That's not be good. totally accurate, but there's been, there's been a ton of penalties thrown uh, across the league. So, you know, for the Eagles to also lead the league in penalties uh, isn't, isn't a great thing. So yeah, 22 penalties. That's obviously, you know, not good. It's kind of a continuation of, uh, you know, last year. And, and I think anyway, I think they were very, you know, heavily penalized uh, a year ago as well. Um, does actually heavily penalized teams doesn't always correlate to bad records as like, you know, most other stats, um, like turnovers, especially, you know, they, they do, but certainly, you know, you don't want to have all these mistakes and, and they had a lot of like pre-snap stuff, uh, especially in that Atlanta game. So you don't want to have these penalties that are just complete unforced errors, at least if you're, you know, you know, trying to make plays on the field and penalties just kind of happen. I think those are a little more acceptable, but just the ones where like, I mean, and, and anything like the Derek Barnett you yeah. know, cheap shot is wholly unacceptable. And I mean, are we at the, at the point with him where he's just a dumb player? I think so. 
He just he doesn't play smart when you look at because he has a history of this. It's not just you know like one here and one there. There's it's it's accumulated now. And another point on these penalties or something that I've been thinking about, Jimmy, is like I wonder if it's a young coaching staff thing. Maybe it isn't because you pointed out you know they had some issues with it last year. But that's just something I've been kind of thinking about and want to see moving forward because everyone is so young and in new positions. Um, I don't know if that's related at all. Uh, you mentioned Derek Burnett, Jimmy. We should probably touch on real quick. Josh yeah. Wett got a contract extension, yes. obviously. And then he played. To proceed, he proceeded to play forty percent of the snaps behind. <laughs> he got Ryan twelve Kerrigan. fewer snaps than Ryan Kerrigan, which I, mean, I understand. Uh, like Barnett got hurt, and Kerrigan plays the same position as Graham, and like their defensive end spot isn't exactly the same as the defensive spot defensive end spot played by uh, Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett because sometimes they're like. They're operating as like three, four defensive ends, which doesn't even make sense for Carrigan either. Like that's not anything mm-hmm. that he's ever played in his career before. Like BG can certainly do that, in my opinion, because he does have that strength and he's squatty and he can play like a defensive tackle sometimes. But it doesn't really make sense for Carrigan. But there are times where like, um, you know, there are obvious passing downs and Carrigan was in like a clear yeah. rushing stance. And Josh Sweat is standing on the sidelines while Ryan Kerrigan is in there. And there's one uh, moment in particular during that game where it was the end of the first quarter or no, I'm sorry, the end of the third quarter. And um, it was an obvious passing. I believe it was like third and seven and um, Kerrigan's on the field and the quarter ends. So they don't get the playoff open up in the fourth quarter. I figure, okay, maybe Sweat was just tired and he'll be back in the game now and Kerrigan will be on the bench for this obvious passing down. Maybe like over the, the set of commercials, they'll realize, wait, why do we have uh, uh, Kerrigan in there instead of our best edge rusher? And sure enough, Kerrigan's back in there and Sweat's on the sideline. So uh, that's got to be something they fix. My guess is that they were maybe just a little bit unprepared for like all the personnel contingencies mm. that they have in place uh, in case – this player goes down or that player goes down or that player goes down. And they just weren't, maybe just weren't ready for it, which is kind of understandable for, um, you know, a team led by a first time head coach, first time defensive coordinator, uh, so on and so forth. So on the growing pains front, I do think that is one example that, uh, they can correct going forward. Well, I don't want to hear like from the, the coaches that are like, it's all about players, not about scheme. I don't want to hear any <laughs> scheme related reason then why Ryan yeah. Kerrigan is playing more than Josh Sweat. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. For sure. Giving a guy 13 million a year, <laughs> ascending pass rusher, he's playing fewer snaps than Ryan Kerrigan, who's done nothing this season. Like, I don't, I don't think Ryan Kerrigan has recorded a stat. Totally invisible. Games. Yes. So like, yeah, I don't, and Nick Sirianni to, to his credit did admit like they have to get Sweat on the field more. That's something they didn't do mm-hmm. well. So again, if that gets fixed in the future, great. But it needs to. If this continues to be a thing, then that's not going to be very good. All right. Why don't we get into – all right. So a couple more wrap-up things, actually. Uh, Sprainbrook's uh, eight-week injury, according to Lane Johnson. Mm-hmm. I like how we get our info through, about Brandenbrook's <laughs> through Lane Johnson. I love Lane. Boys. He, just, so, he just doesn't care. He says whatever he wants to say. Yeah. Lane doesn't <laughs> care. So uh, Brooks is on IR. Lane Dickerson will be starting in his place. I thought Dickerson had a pretty rough game yes. to start. And in fairness, first NFL game didn't – that was his first full NFL week of practice too. And he wasn't even taking, obviously, starters reps. So I'm not saying he's going to like, you know, be a disaster moving forward, but he needs to play a lot better. Uh, and I love his quote, Brandon, by the way, before you move on from that. He said during his press conference on Thursday, uh, excuses breed mediocrity. On his play, that's such an Alabama player thing, which it is. But it's also such a good quote. Like it's, it's he in in three words he said basically, I wasn't good enough, uh, and I'm gonna get better. 
don't, you know, <laughs> like, whereas other players on this team, uh, Andre really Dillard. don't often take that approach. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the exact opposite of what Andre Dillard did when he had to move from <laughs> left tackle to right tackle. Uh, and then Brandon Graham done for the season, which is just crushing. Uh, it sucks so much. Yes. I hate it. It's really just not. He's our favorite player on the team. We've said before. Yes. Um, from a personality just, standpoint. Yes. Yeah. Just a great guy. I mean, he's my favorite player. Like, just like, I, I just love Brandon Graham. Like, cause even though he might not be the most dominant pass rusher, he's going to have a play like where he sets the tone. He's going to blow someone up in the backfield. Um, it's just a, it's a bummer. It's really a bummer that he's gone and it's, it's a big loss. Like, I know. Uh, people are excited about Josh Sweat, but uh, like that doesn't make up for it in terms of like having this defensive line rotation and this you know this foursome of BLG and Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. Like losing Brandon Graham is a big loss, and we'll get into it when we talk about the Cowboys. But I think specifically it could show here. And then uh, the last thing is, you know, Zach Hurts is on the COVID list. He might be able to return before Monday's game if he passes two uh, tests that are negative with uh, 24 hours apart before Monday's game. So we'll see about that one. But uh, did you have anything wrapping up on BLG or Zach Hurts? Yeah, so Brandon Graham, I think eventually, as, you know, kind of time passes, he's going to be not necessarily in, like, a tier with, like, a Brian Dawkins or, like, a Chase Utley, for example. But he's not going to be that far off. Like, I think his career is really going to be appreciated once it's all said and done for, especially with the way that, um, he took a lot of crap, like early in his career, um, with, you know, having been, you know, not the player that, uh, I mean, there was barely anything you can find any, I mean, you can barely find anyone that wanted him as opposed to like an Earl Thomas, for example, but the Earl Thomas comparisons for the first, you know, half decade of his career. And then when Jason Pierre Paul was playing really well early in early in their careers and, and he hadn't taken off yet. Um, you know, he got the comparisons to him and for a guy that like has never had a 10 sack season, <laughs> like he's, he's really affected so many games, uh, over the years. And then obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the pinnacle of his career, uh, the, the strip sack of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, uh, in my opinion, uh, and, and even more, um, important play in that Super Bowl than the Philly special. Like it's the play that essentially ended that game. And, no uh, question. there was, uh, like, you know, we're, we're big J journalists and whatnot, but, uh, I felt very happy for him spe- specifically, uh, especially in that moment that he was the guy. That that he that Brandon Graham was the guy that made that play. I was very happy for him. Same, and that is uh, to me without question the biggest play in Eagles history. Especially just the context of the play. You look at Tom Brady like coming back. Yeah, they're gonna, the they were probably going to come back and score. They hadn't. Yeah, they hadn't forced up all day. Like you're telling. Like that's the biggest play in Eagles history. Yeah. it's not even a question. Like the Philly special is awesome and it gets the glitz and the glam. But like Brandon Graham doing like he just straight he up beat a guy one on one and he forced the fumble. Huge, and he did it in. In an impossible spot, like like incredibly clutch, like the most clutch thing ever. Um, so yeah, really sucks. Awesome to see him like handling it well because he's BG and he has great spirits. And I'm sure there's gonna be, you know, I'm sure he's not like you know, thrilled. Obviously, he didn't yeah. prefer this. There's gonna be tough days too, and maybe Brandon Graham just doesn't always show that as well because he's just he really shows his happiness. But he seems to be, from what we can tell, having a good mindset about it. So I hope he gets right for next season and comes back as strong as ever. All right, Jimmy. Why don't we get into the Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? <laughs> Let's uh, start on the positive note in terms of uh, the matchups against them. 
Okay. Sound well, good? wait. I want to mention that they're dealing with some absences. I think from the jump is important to mention. Just like if you're going through the list of players who are not going to be available for this yes. team, okay. you're looking at Michael Gallup, uh, who got hurt in week I one. Are. You're looking yeah. at Lyle Collins, who is dealing with the suspension. Demarcus Lawrence, their best defender, uh, got hurt. Randy Gregory, I still think, is on reserve. COVID. We'll see if he no, he's back. He, uh, oh, he's back. Yeah, now. he he was practicing today, so he's back. Okay, so he's back. Let me delete that and just pretend that I never said that. <laughs> and then Keanu Neal is dealing with an injury. Uh, safety turned linebacker. Obviously, Eagle Sands know Keanu Neal from Torrey Smith catching a pass. Speaking off of, of the knee. Super Bowl run, yes. Uh, and then Dorrance Armstrong, uh, who was like filling in at defensive end as a starter with DeMar- or at least or one of their starters. Um, yeah, especially with Gregory and Lawrence out, he is banged up now, so he will He's not out. Play. Yeah, they they said yeah. It. yeah, they ruled him out already. So a lot of defensive injuries, especially. But why don't we get into the matchups, like you said? Yeah. So the biggest matchup uh, in the Eagles' favor is you know their offensive line against the Cowboys' defensive line, and you know you mentioned uh, Demarcus Lawrence is out. Uh, another starter, uh, defensive tackle, excuse me, uh, Neville Gallimore is out. Um, another uh, guy who has started some games, Tristan Hill. Uh, is on the pup list. Um, and then you mentioned Armstrong is out and uh, another defensive tackle, Carlos Watkins is out. So yeah. they like, I mean, they are really digging deep into their depth, um, deep into their depth. Uh, wait a nice, nice job, Jimmy. Um, mm. and, uh, you know, if you look at the healthy players on their roster uh, along their defensive line, those guys, and there are one, two, three, four, five. Uh, there are nine defensive linemen that they have on their roster right now. I'm sure, I, I assume they're going to call another guy up off their practice squad, maybe even sign someone. But those nine guys have a career combined 25 sacks. Oh, and actually, I, I even included Micah Parsons in there. Like they're so mm-hmm. thin uh, along their defensive line that, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, their starting linebacker, their best linebacker already as a rookie. Like he's now playing defensive end and he actually played pretty well. <laughs> and like they, because he played defensive end uh, against the Chargers uh, week two, he actually played pretty well and he was pretty disruptive. But uh, that defensive line is, is not good. I mean, it wasn't good to start the season and it's even worse now. But it's also super light. So Parsons weighs 245. Uh, one of their other starters right now, Osa uh, Odigizua, is a defensive tackle playing at 280. Uh, Watkins is out. I have to actually update on that on my fit in my five matchups here. But uh, I guess his replacement will probably be, uh, I guess maybe Brent Urban will probably start at defensive tackle for them. He's another guy that like was sort of like a 3 4 defensive end for most of his career. I want to say with. Baltimore. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's another smaller guy. And then Terrell Basham will probably start at the other defensive end spot. He's 266. So anyway, you average up like that, those weights and they're like under 275 on average. The Eagles offensive line is, uh, they average 324 a man. And, um, you know, it's, it's not as if they're just big and they can't play. Like obviously the Eagles offensive line is one of their strengths of the team. And that has to be, has to be a, uh, matchup that the Eagles dominate if they're going to have any chance of winning this game. Yeah, on the Parsons note, uh, RJ had pointed out that seven pressures that he had, which is a lot. Did he have seven tied, pressures? Yeah, was tied against, for, against the Chargers uh, alone or in weeks one and two? Correct. Seven okay. against the Chargers alone. It was tied with Chase Young for a league high. Hmm. Uh, so, and I also saw Chase some of Young the match- had seven pressures week two. Uh, I guess that's what was written down. Okay, what RJ said maybe he was wrong, but. I did see like some highlights of Parsons specifically doing this too. And it was interesting in terms of like, 
the clip that was showed was like a like a lot of pass rushers would probably just blow by the quarterback because they don't have like the balance or whatever. Yeah. They're, they're, like Mike Parsons though, like is able to stay grounded while also rushing and and like uh, force Herbert into a throwaway or take him down. Like it was pretty impressive. So I kind of I think it's a little bit concerning. I know that, the Eagles have a good be a offensive tough line. matchup for Mylotta, by the way. Like Mylotta, you know, it, I think like like looking at him last year, he, like if he was. He, like their power rushers had no chance against them, but the guys mm-hmm. that like had a lot of speed, some of those yeah. guys gave him some trouble and that would be Parsons in this game. So uh, I do think the Eagles might be smart to, you know, kind of give my lot a little help to the outside um, on that side. But it, again, like I said, like this, this is, a, this is like a matchup. They, they have to just pummel the Cowboys because they're just so light and they have no depth left. And like the Eagles offensive line is good. They have to win that matchup. Uh, the, the Cowboys are getting, you know, some, uh, getting gassed up a little bit in terms of like, oh, their defense isn't as bad, especially after beating the Chargers and holding uh-huh. them. Um, I don't think like it's good by any means. You look at objective metrics, football outsiders has them as the 22nd defense PFF grading. Okay. If you want to go by that has them like 16th, uh, I believe in defense. Uh, so although they do, one thing they have been doing well, Jimmy, is they have a league high six takeaways. Uh, your guy, our guy, maybe Devontae KZ, who we liked as a mm-hmm. potential Eagles target in the offseason, who has like a history of turning the ball over, already has two takeaways, first two games, forced fumble in week one, uh, interception on Justin Herbert, which I think was you know, in part just a really bad throw by him in the, in the end zone last week. It really cost the Chargers a win, which is frustrating. Um, so they have that going for them. Uh, they have like, you know, Trayvon Diggs is there. I don't think there's anyone that really strikes fear other than Demarcus Lawrence, maybe, but he's not playing right. in this game, so that hurts them. So I agree with you in that, like, if the Eagles offense isn't producing here, that's kind of a problem. Like, this can't be another week where they're not scoring a touchdown, especially until, like, late in the game. Like, they, they've got to put up points on this Cowboys defense. The other matchup I have here, uh, Eagles offensively, and we already noted this earlier, earlier in the podcast where you know, they're, they're just ignoring the the middle of the field. And I alluded to this matchup coming up. Like I think Dallas Goddard has to have a, uh, you know, good game uh, in this game, work in the middle of the field. Zach Ertz, as you mentioned, has COVID to be determined if he'll be back in time uh, for this game, but whether he is or not, I think this is like a Dallas Goddard kind of game that he has to do something uh, over the middle and, and for the Eagles, you know, to, to, I don't want to say if they have a chance to win this game. It doesn't ride on Dallas Goddard, obviously, but he's had big games against the Cowboys before, like uh, 2018, four catches, 44 yards, touchdown. Plus, he had that you know that long 75 yarder wiped off the board. <laughs> One of the worst offensive pass interference goals I've ever seen in my life. That 20, whole game, <laughs> 2019, uh, in the two games that he played against the Cowboys, he had uh, 16 targets. 13 catches and uh, 160 yards total with a couple of touchdowns. Uh, he had that real clutch game in the, uh, you know, late in the season to basically for the division in 2019, where he had nine catches for 91 and a touchdown. So he's done damage against the Cowboys before. And you look at these Cowboys linebackers in uh, Jalen Smith and um, uh, Leighton Vander Esch. That was a really nice duo a few years ago. They're not a nice duo anymore. Uh, Keanu Neal is actually playing ahead of uh, Leighton Van Der Esch, and uh, he's actually played pretty well so far. But uh, if he can go, or he he may not be able to go, and even if he does, like he's likely not going to be 100. percent So um, you know, if, if they do get you know matchups on Goddard uh, against these linebackers, it has to be you know a focus of the Eagles' offense, in my opinion, uh, to try to get him the ball from Jalen Hurts. Uh, flipping it around to the other side of the ball, 
to me. I think one of the things that would be a concern for me, if we're looking at concerns, is Tony Pollard coming on a little bit yep. here. Uh, Tony Pollard has long been like this kind of underutilized weapon for the Cowboys <laughs> yes. in terms of was wasting carries on Zeke. And they kind of went heavier to him against the Chargers. I think Zeke still got more touches or more um, uh, carries overall. Uh, but Tony Pollard coming on is a little bit concerning. He's a lot of juice, I think, especially compared to Zeke. Although traditionally the Eagles haven't always done good, great against Zeke. It's not like they can easily just shut him down. Right. Um, although I do think it is favorable if you're giving him the ball as opposed to the other options that they have, like airing it out yes. to one of their wide receivers. Like, I think that's a, you'll, you'll kind of take that. Um, so, and one of the things I kind of teased earlier, like missing Brandon Graham, I mean, that's, that's something I'm interested to see and how the run game, if the user able to kind of keep that Cowboys run game in check, which is a little interesting because in week one, there was a lot of talk to me about how the Cowboys weren't going to the run enough and they passed way too much. And then last week against the Chargers, they kind of flipped the script and they were running a lot more. So, and they won in that game. Uh, so what are you making? What's like your, your defensive matchup for the Eagles? Yeah. You mentioned BJ and how difficult he's going to be re- to replace just in terms of his leadership and his energy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, last year, like I found this, uh, this, this tweet from John owning, who I believe covers the Cowboys for PFF. Anyway, um, I remember Terrence Steele having like a terrible game against them. The one that was in Philadelphia with, uh, with Danucci as the starter. Uh, but in that game, he allowed seven pressures and three sacks. <laughs> like he just got torn apart. So Terrence Steele is, uh, is the right tackle, uh, in place of Lyle He's Collins. Steele the right tackle. And, uh, and he'll be starting their right tackle in this game. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Eagles replace Brandon Graham. I think it'll be a combination of Milton Williams, who will just sort of fl- slide into Brandon Graham's role as is. And then hopefully the Eagles are, um, uh, I guess cognizant of their failings in getting, uh, you know, Derek Barnett sweat or Josh sweat in the game more, uh, in favor of Ryan Kerrigan when they're in obvious passing, passing situations. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's a, a big, um, matchup that could have really been uh, in the Eagles' favor, but maybe isn't as much anyway uh, anymore with with Brandon Graham out. And then I also just wanted to add something on the uh, on the Cowboys' uh, run game with with Zeke and Pollard. Like I don't think I mean we're both in agreement, obviously that that Zeke isn't the player that he that he once was. I don't know if I would call him you know washed or anything like that just yet, but. He's he not by his standards, but yeah, not, I mean, he's uh, not, but he's yeah, not, the, he's players. not the player he was by any stretch, but he and Pollard are kind of like a nice one, two duo. Like uh, Elliot's kind of like the hammer. He's got, uh, he's got 27 rushes for one Oh four, which is a 3.9 yards per carry average touchdown. Pollard has 16 rushes for one twenty three. He's averaging 7.7 yards per carry, uh, with one touchdown included uh, as well. The one thing I kind of want to see, from the Eagles defense in this game, like they did a really nice job. I thought, um, you know, shutting down, not shutting down, but, you know, slowing down uh, the 49ers run game early. And that was when the Niners were sort of running it in between the tackles. And then they realized, why are we trying to run it like through these defensive tackles? Why don't we toss it and run around them instead? (laughs) And like, that was pretty effective for them. So I would imagine the Cowboys will probably try to steal that approach and it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Jonathan Gannon adjusts. Cowboys are going to Terrence steal that approach? Yes. Okay. <laughs> also, um, uh, one more thing on the run game, too. Like, um, Dak Prescott, you know, obviously was always a big threat 
as a runner, especially like in the red zone, um, you know, a, a big weapon for them uh, using his legs to, to, you know, get in the end zone and, and also to convert uh, third downs with runs. He's not a, he's not a runner anymore. Like he's, he's not, he's not a runner or at least the way that he used to be. Like he does not look at all like the same player in that regard after I mean, he had the gruesome injury last year, his ankle turned the wrong way and whatnot. Uh, he eventually probably will get back to being that player at some point, but he's not there yet. So in the past, you know, Eagles game plans, you know, had to account for that, but I don't think they have to worry about him as much in this game as a runner uh, in addition to Zeke and Pollard. So Dak ran four times for 13 yards of the long of seven in week one against the Bucks, And then he didn't run at all against yeah. the Chargers, which is really like, that's like, that's weird because Dak, you know, he can run and normally, and you'd figure at least do it once to not do it at all. It's a little strange. Um, I don't really know what to make of Dak exactly, Jimmy. I mean, obviously we kind of know who he is as a player at this point in his mm-hmm. career, but I was of the opinion as, uh, I told RJ, who was very much in denial, that like Dak didn't look right to me when I watched him against the Bucks. I know he like posted good numbers and everything, and I think maybe I touched on this last he, week. He had a great game, picks. yeah. But, but, he, I, but he didn't but I, look I, right. I agree. He didn't look that's like, like the same guy, yeah. Like he, his he was having success floating those passes, but mm-hmm. he couldn't like zip anything in there. And it feels like defenses like can catch up to that over time. They're gonna like try to challenge him to make like, you know, tougher throws where he's gonna really have to zip it in, as opposed to just like float things over and maybe kind of play off him, like the Eagles might try to do in terms of playing off him, uh, and really make him sustain these drives and fit the ball into these tight windows and everything. So uh, I'm kind of curious to see that. Also, this like I feel like there was this, you know, uh, perception early on in Dak's career because he did have the, the Eagles did struggle in terms of beating the Cowboys. But like this idea, like that Dak owns the Cowboys, which I feel like I've seen in the past, maybe not recently this week, but it's just not the, true. The Eagles, you mean? Yeah, yeah, that Dak owns <laughs> the the, uh, the Eagles. It's like it's not true. He's five and three as a starter against them. Okay, so he has you know a, a winning record, but it's an eighty three point five passer rating. Like that's one of his worst pass ratings he has against any teams he's played like multiple times. One of them like, was the uh the nonsense six nothing game too, by the way. Right. Um and, and one of them in there was the drive he had when the Cowboys were like resting their starters after his first drive and it was Tony Romo's last game. So oh, right. okay. still like I don't know. I'm not like scared of Dak Prescott. I'm really not. I don't think he's like, oh, wow, we can't stop Dak. He's just like, you know, Mahomes or, you know, someone incredible. He's this incredible talent. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. What to, especially because, again, like I feel like he's not 100 percent there. I'm not saying this means he can't beat the Eagles, but like I just don't I don't think it's like unwinnable because Dak is here, I guess. Bo had a great question for Bo Wolf of The Athletic. Uh, had a great question for Gannon, which I'm going to find very quickly here. Da, 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 da. Excuse me. This is awesome radio. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Gannon. Eh, sorry. Uh, I want to. I don't want to give you – I know you don't want to blah, 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 give away the game plan or anything like that. But uh, the way that you guys have played through the first two games, it seems like you have uh, sort of an identity, you know, heavy zone, not a lot of blitzes so far, at least compared to the rest of the league. Is that what we'll see all year, or is that, uh, or is that based on uh, who you saw, and um, you know, or do you have more tricks up your sleeve? So, like, I thought that was a good question because they have like, I think they're like thirty second in the league in blitzing, or thirty first or thirty second, so they really have barely blitzed at all, and they have. Jim Schwartz has run the defense. (laughs) Yeah, but but in a sort of different way. Like uh, Schwartz is obviously very man heavy. Whereas the, they've been very zone heavy, and I think zone makes a lot of sense uh, against this Cowboys team. Um, you, like you mentioned, a lot of those passes were floaters. You can do that uh, against man, against man coverage. 
against zone coverage, you got to zip it in. You got to find, you know, you got to put some velocity on your passes uh, to beat the zone coverage, fit it into tight windows and such. And uh, it'll be a test for Zach to see if, uh, for Dak? not Zach, for Dak uh, to see <laughs> if he can, he can make those. Because I don't think his arm strength was really there, as you mentioned in that, mm-hmm. in that first game. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, how the Eagles will play him. But it would make sense for them to, to stick with their zone defense for another week. Uh, I do think they should blitz more than they have. I think, you know, the, adding that uh, element yeah. to their defense uh, week three would make a lot of sense uh, against the, this particular team. Uh, one thing we should also probably mention, too, which we, you know, have a little bit. But as far as the matchups go, like the, the scariest thing about the Cowboys are, you know, Amari Cooper and uh, CeeDee mm-hmm. Lamb. And you know, as we mentioned already, the Eagles have given up the, the fewest number or only one uh, pass play of 20 plus yards. The Cowboys are very, very capable of making huge plays in the passing game. Like they had seven plays of 20 plus yards in the passing game alone uh, in that uh, in that sort of disastrous game for the Eagles at the end of the year last year uh, where the Cowboys just, I mean, the Eagles got a, an early lead, I believe, but the Cowboys eventually just blew them out like the Michael Jaquette game, for example. Uh, so like... Uh, they're very capable of doing that. And I think the the Eagles, you know, bend, don't break strategy that they've sort of gone with the first two weeks while it's frustrating to watch at times. I do think it makes sense against this particular offense, like make them earn their way all the way down the field. And then, um, you know, in, when it gets a little tighter uh, down in the red zone, you know, make them prove that they can punch it in because uh, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, their, their personnel is, is more geared uh, that way than it is uh, to, more toward the, the the big play that they're capable of. So they just can't give up the big play in this game, which is uh, going to be a taller task against, you know, these wide receivers uh, more so than it was uh, against like the 49ers who are more like rack guys and the Falcons who really only had one uh, receiver is more of like a possession type in Calvin Ridley. Also really just going to need a turnover or two. It's time. Yes. You don't have one yet. Like you get, you have to force one or two. You're not going to be able to win this game without that. Like I'm pretty confident you need that extra possession or two, or maybe a short field, you know, here and there to, they need that. Uh, and Darius Slay specifically, I feel like it'd be a good, pl- good time for Mr. Big play Slay to like come <laughs> yes. up with a big play. Um, all right, Jimmy, why don't you tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, who you can reach at RoachRealtors.com and elsewhere before we go to break. 856-906-9295 is her number. Uh, she is the best realtor in the universe. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home, give her a call. Uh, again, her number 906, excuse me, 856-906-9295. Brandon. Back after this Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295. Back here for our final segment of BGN Radio, which, Jimmy, we've been running long these past two weeks. We just have so much to say. We're so excited. It's Cowboys week, baby. About the Eagles. And it's Cowboys week. But we're not going to start with the Cowboys with our NFL picks against the spread. We're going to start with their records, which I should have brought up first, and which I am transitioning into right now smoothly, where we are both four and five against the spread this year. Because I think our picks oh, have been was, identical. I thought I was worse than that. I'll take I'll take four and five. I was oh five, five. And on my picks on, like, on my website. I was oh five and one week mm-hmm. two. Worst week I've ever had making picks. 
not that you care, but I'm leading the <laughs> Bleeding Green Nation straight up picks tied with Sheamus so far at 20 and 12. So good okay. job by me. And then picks against the spread. It's not even that good I, <laughs> to be leading. Well, I'm at the front, so that's all that matters. I'm 18 and, and then, 14 on that front, so you got me beat by two games. Okay, so I beat you there. And then against the spread this year, because I pick every single game, uh, I am 15 and 17. So that's only you know two games below 500. But I'm above the BGN community, which is only 12 and 20. Okay. So suck it. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's get into our picks. Uh, Jimmy, why don't we start with the... Indianapolis Carson Wentz's, who might be Carson Wentz less, at the Tennessee Titans. Titans are five point favorites. It's a big game in the sense that, like, the Colts are 0 2. They lose this game. They're dropping to 0 3 against the team that is probably the favorite to win the AFC South. Uh, so it's a big spot, and Carson Wentz might not be able to play. Huge win, first of all, by the Titans uh, over the Seahawks uh, in week two. I think they were down 24 to 6, something like that. Uh, to the Seahawks, they got nothing going in the first half. In the second half, they exploded. So if they can uh, keep up uh, their offensive firepower that they showed in the second half against the Seahawks, uh, that would be good news for the Eagles uh, draft pick that the Colts owe them in the 2022 NFL draft. Eagles fans should be huge Titans fans this year. And this is a huge matchup for that draft pick. Because as you mentioned, the Titans are probably the, the favorite for the AFC South crown, uh, over the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and I really, really like the Titans in this game for no other reason than I don't like the Colts at all. <laughs> like I just think that their starting quarterback isn't good and he might not even play anyway with his two sprained ankles. Uh, apparently his right sprained ankle is worse than his left sprained ankle. So, uh, the, the push off ankle is worse than the plant ankle, which I don't know which would be worse, I guess, but it doesn't matter. He's got two sprained ankles. Uh, he didn't practice on Thursday. Uh, their their starter, if he can't go, would be Jacob Eason, who did come in uh, in their loss to, who did they play week two again? The Rams. The Rams. And he proceeded to immediately throw at Jalen Ramsey, who was all too thankful and uh, appreciative uh, for a terrible throw, and he picked him off. So <laughs> Eason did not look good in the uh, the limited snaps that he played uh, against the Rams week two, uh, which, again, is good news for Eagles fans because if they had a good backup, then it makes it more likely that the Colts might bench Wentz. But they don't have that. And, in fact, there's even reporting that uh, Brett Hunley is mm. getting first-team reps uh, with the Colts in the lead up to this week three game. I don't know if that's just some sort of dumb deception by uh, Frank Reich. I don't think uh, the Titans are going to go out of their way to prepare for uh, Brett Hundley with that news. And it seemed like that news was sort of forced out as opposed to like, you know, reporters happen to notice like during practice. Oh, hey, Brett Hundley's getting reps. <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't like that. It was like he's like Brett Hundley's going to get first team reps. Like it seemed like it was kind of sort of forced out there. Uh, but anyway, uh, maybe they already know that Wentz is probably going to play this week, and that's why they're doing all this Eason, Hunley nonsense. Whatever. doesn't matter. If Carson Wentz plays, if he doesn't play, if it's Jacob Eason, if it's Brett Hunley, give me the Titans. I'll leave the five points all day. I'm taking the Titans. I am rooting for a scenario where Carson Wentz plays, and early on it's realized that he can't play because his ankles are hurt, but he doesn't worsen it, really. It's just that he can't really be effective at all. So he gets replaced due to injury or otherwise. I don't care. So he gets some snaps in. That helps towards the snap count. But the Titans win the game. The Colts lose. And then Carson Wentz is able to play next week. And then the Colts 
I mean, they're going to have to, we're, we're going to have to, as Eagles, you know, for the Eagles sake, like they're going to have to, Eagles are going to have to root for them to win at some point. Like just, just to stay to alive. try to get this first yeah, round pick. Yeah. yeah. And so he doesn't bench him. But, but for right now, that's not the time yet to me. So I'll take the Titans. Uh, on the injury I report, think, by the way, it's hilarious that it says Carson Wentz in parentheses ankles. <laughs> <laughs> Floral. Uh, yeah. I think Derrick Henry can have a big game. Uh, Their defense has been bad so far this year, too, by the way. Yeah, it is really bad. But um, we'll see. So Dolphins at Raiders. Raiders are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Tua Tunga-Vailoa is out for this Mm -hmm. game, already fractured ribs. Um, So not great for the Dolphins. Good for the Eagles' first-round pick. The Raiders, Jimmy, I had them in top ten in my power rankings, which we talk about on the Yodcast this week, because, hey, they have two quality wins here. Mm -hmm. I mean, they beat the Ravens in overtime, and then they went to Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers, who, you know, you can say that the Steelers are a limited team, but the Steelers won in Buffalo in week one. So uh, I think the Raiders are solid. I'm going to take him to beat the Dolphins. I like Brian Flores. I really do like him. I think he's a good head coach, especially as a motivator and everything. And the, the defense has had some success under him. But I do not trust Jacoby Brissett. And I don't really trust the Dolphins as a whole right now. So I will take the Raiders four and a half favorites at home. I think Jacoby Brissett might be better than Tua. Um, but That's at possible. the same time, <laughs> I don't. But he stunk last week. <laughs> I don't like either of them anyway. I don't like either of them. So like, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's pretty simple for me. They don't have a quarterback. Give me the. Re- By the way, that pick's looking really good for the Eagles because they. I think they're going to be bad this year. I think they have. I think they have. Uh, not not just potential. I was going to say I think they have double digit loss potential. I think they're going to lose double digit games. I think they have like five and twelve kind of potential. Okay, that would be pretty good. The only the thing that, that the only thing that like works against that is they already have one win over the Patriots, and uh, they get the Jets twice. <laughs> and the, and the, the Jets look really bad, but uh, this Dolphins team does not look good to me even a little bit. That was like a really frustrating game for the Dolphins to win for the Eagles' sake. Like one point lost or win over the Patriots week one, and it was like the Patriots in the you know the red zone and they fumbled. Yeah, like. It wasn't like the Dolphins outplayed them. Like it's just they kind of stole a win, basically. And like mm-hmm. that's frustrating. But uh whatever. Moving on to the football team. Oh, so you're taking the Raiders, you said, right? Yes, Raiders. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the football team at the Bills. The Bills are seven and a half point favorites after getting beat by Pittsburgh in week one. They blew out the Dolphins thirty five to zero in week two. Uh, I'm actually going to take the football team here okay. because Josh Allen has been uneven. I'm not like a super t- Taylor Heineke believer, um, but I don't know that I fully – this isn't like me necessarily feeling awesome about the football team. Although I think like one thing I do think about Ryan – or Ryan, Ron Rivera and and that defense, which hasn't played well at the start of the season, are amazing. Allowed a little too much to the Giants in my opinion. I think they can at least make this game competitive. I don't think they're going to win, but I think they can make the game competitive. So I'm going to take the points. Do I feel amazing about it? No. And I feel like you're going to take the Bills. So the Bills uh, offensive line concerns me. Um, they really had a rough go of it uh, week one against the Steelers. And granted, like TJ Watt did a lot of that damage. TJ Watt might be the best pass rusher in the league. Um, so, you know, <laughs> like sometimes a great player just has his way against you. But I thought other guys got pressure as well. What's been weird to me about Washington so far, and that's I was surprised earlier, like you said, when, when you said like Chase Allen, like, you know, led the league in pressures week two. What did I say? Chase Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. Combine Chase- him and Jonathan Allen. <laughs> when Chase Young uh, led the league in pressures week week two. That surprised me because I didn't I didn't I just didn't see them, 
you know, getting uh, as much pressure as I thought they would. I'll, I'll put it like that uh, against the Giants in that uh, Thursday, that crazy Thursday night game. Uh, and they almost lost to that Giants team. Giants team stinks. And they yeah. they should have lost that game. Uh, but one thing that has been weird about Washington so far is their like heralded defensive line, you know, really hasn't been that great so far. So uh, it does concern me that that the Steelers were able to do a lot of damage against that Bills uh, offensive line week one, and I think uh, Washington is capable of doing that to them. Uh, but ultimately, I just think the Bills are a much, much better football team. I mean, we're talking about Super Bowl contenders here, and Washington is far from that. So I will actually take the Bills, and I'll lay the seven and a half. Football team coming off extra rest with that Thursday night football game. Maybe it doesn't matter. Uh, Falcons at the New York football Giants. Jimmy, I have to take the Giants here. The Falcons stink. I, don't, yes. I know the Giants aren't great, but the Falcons freaking stink, yes. dude. Like they're terrible. I I don't know why you could take them. Like, what are you feeling good about them? People are like, oh, they were they were in the game with the Bucks there, and uh, like, who cares? Like, no, they got they uh, the Bucks ended up pulling away. The Falcons stink. I know the Giants aren't good, but the Giants like Daniel Jones had one of his better games against Washington, and they have extra rest and. I don't look, I don't feel amazing about the Giants, but I, I feel even worse. I feel like confident that the Falcons are a worse team. So I like the Giants minus three at home. I hadn't even considered the extra rest, uh, but that's a good point. Uh, the line minus three tells me that like odds makers think that the Falcons and Giants are evenly matched and the Giants just have the minus three because they're at home. And that's not true. Like the Giants, like you said, the Giants are, Giants suck, but like they're better than this Falcons team. And like the the one thing that like, you know, looking at any Giants game, uh, you look at like their off their offensive line is terrible, and you look at like whatever teams whatever team they're playing. You look at their defensive line. Okay, who's going to eat against them? And the Falcons have nothing on their defensive line. So this is like the one game where the Giants can feel okay about their offensive line matchup. And uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think they'll beat the Falcons pretty handily. So I'll, I will gladly take uh, the Giants minus three. I will say that if the Giants lose this game, maybe. The heat is going to be on Joe Judge and uh, Mr. Gettleman down there, or up there, excuse me. Eagles at Cowboys, Jimmy. The Cowboys on Monday Night Football are three and a half point favorites at home. Let me read you a little bit of numbers here. Uh, just digging into the numbers as I do. And history of the Cowboys odds under Mike McCarthy, Jimmy. If you're looking, if I split this into multiple different situations. First of all, they are 7 and 11 against the spread under him which is one of the worst rates in the NFL since the start of the 2020 season. Now, obviously, you know, not having Dak doesn't help, but still. Mm -hmm. uh, they are 2-4, and four, both straight up and against the spread after a win. The Cowboys are 0-5 as home favorites against the spread. They've never won a game under Mike McCarthy as a home favorite, huh. or at least against okay. the spread. They are 2-3 and three straight up in those games, uh, but 0-5 in terms of covering. And then if you look at their division games under Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys, they're one and five against the spread and two and four straight up. So again, you know, missing Dak is obviously a big factor there, but still thought that was a little interesting. Uh, kind of suggest at least the, you know, against the spread thing that they don't always, or with McCarthy, they haven't like played up at home, even though uh, they haven't been in ideal situations. They haven't like super played up to the level of competition. I am going to take the Cowboys, though, in this game, Jimmy, because... To win and cover? Comes down the vibes. Huh? To win and cover? Yeah, I'm going to take them, like, just to cover. It's going to be a four-point win for the Cowboys. I'm, I'm sensing, like, 24 to 20 here. I think it's going to be a frustrating one for the Eagles. I don't think the... I think... 
I don't think the loss to the 49ers was like this one off and now they're going to bounce back in a big way on Monday Night Football. I think it's going to be, I think the loss to the 49ers is going to sting even more because it was like this missed opportunity to get a win and now you lose to the Cowboys and now you're one and two and now you don't even play a division game until like December or whatever it is until like later in the season when they have them all stuck at the end of the schedule there. Uh, so I think it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be terrible because I'm going to have to pay off this bet to RJ. I'm going to have to uh, check in to their post-game show and blogging the boys live from Pistola's Del Sur after the game where we're having our watch party next Monday. You can come on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't love it, obviously. But to me, Jimmy, it comes down to the vibes. I don't feel great about the vibes. I think they were thrown off that 49ers game. It just felt like things really turned after that Jalen Rager play that I talked about. And then Brandon Graham and Brandon Brooks go down. And then they fail to score the, the to punch it in from the, the one-yard line. Like Things just shifted in not a great way. And that's not to say they can't shift back the other way, uh, but just right now, I'm I'm not feeling it. So I have to take the Cowboys to win, unfortunately. What about you? Yeah, I mean, the excitement uh, heading into that 49ers game was high. <laughs> and, like, it just – after that loss, and gone. <laughs> like like that. Like, the uh, the uh, enthusiasm was just kind of gone. And that's just from the fan base. I can't speak to, you know, how what the uh, – the vibe is in the locker room or whatever. But um, when I look at the matchups in this game, you know, the Eagles have the uh, aforementioned one that I think is heavily in their favor, their offensive line against the Cowboys defensive line, but it's the rest of them that like, uh, you know, I'm not I, I, like are really concerning to me. Um, you know, can the Eagles wide receivers be more consistent than they've been? Can Jalen hurts, um, you know, can he play well on his own without, um, you know, a new, uh, game plan that's different from the one that that they laid out in Atlanta, but that accentuates his strengths and and sort of hides his weaknesses. Uh, you know, can Brandon Graham's replacement, whoever that is, and uh, you know, take advantage of of a matchup against a backup right tackle? Can the defense, um, you know, limit the plays to uh, Amari Cooper and to C.D. Lamb like they couldn't do uh, against at least a competent quarterback last year? Um, so you know, I'm there's a lot of ifs there. But on the other side, like when I look at the Cowboys, like I know they have a really good offense. <laughs> like I think that's probably just good enough uh, for for them to to handle uh, this Eagles team. That um, again, getting back to to Bo's question uh, to to Jonathan Gannon, I, I think that is still trying to kind of find uh, what their identity is, and I think eventually they'll they'll have one. Um, unlike you know, sort of the rudderless ship that they were last year, I think eventually they will sort of find you know what they are as a team. But I think they're still kind of searching for that. And uh, I'm with you. I think it's going to be another uh, frustrating loss in week three. They can certainly win this game, like no doubt. And I think it's going to be close. In fact, I'll take the Eagles to cover the three and a half. But I do think this ends up as a loss in the standings. Okay. On the identity point, I am going to ask Nick Sirianni at one point. Like I had either you or Mike K, I think, asked last year. The question I wanted to get in. Mike, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I, I couldn't get it in because I wasn't getting <laughs> caught on. So I asked, had Mike ask it for me. I was like, can you ask, ask Doug, like, what's the identity of this team? And Doug gave this, like, terrible answer. That was not an answer. So Yeah, he didn't have season, one. He, re- he just didn't have no. an answer. And he kind of rambled, fairness, he kinda rambled for a little bit. I mean, but it's not like he was lying. Like, they didn't have an identity. What was he going to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see. And, yeah, I, I just – I think it's going to be a game. I really do. I don't think – like, RJ said it's going to be a blowout or whatever. Like, okay. Uh, I think it's going to be a game. I think the Cowboys are not this perfect team. I could see a situation where it gets ugly, I guess, just because it's in Dallas and maybe things like spiral and maybe there's this like kickoff that they kick off and the, the Eagles force a fumble. Malcolm Jenkins and then forces they get a fumble. And then- <laughs> yeah. And then they, it's clearly recovered by the Eagles because there's like only Eagles players around the ball. And then somehow the refs clear. <laughs> and, and also determined. an Eagle comes out of the pile with the ball and hands it to the <laughs> official. 
so insane. That's just like like imagine if that was the Super Bowl. Imagine if that play right. happened in the Super Bowl. Like, right. Like people would never stop talking about that for years. Like that would be like the most disgusting like NFL history. Yes. It's, it's insane. Like it's not one of these fifty fifty calls or it's like close. It's like no, it's like it's clear as day. All right. Anyway, clearly I still get triggered <laughs> by this. Um Jimmy. The Eagles did been, not, by the way, uh get Cleet Blakeman for this game. Yeah. I forget the name of the guy they got. It's it's a newer official, but it's not Cleet it's not Cleet Blakeman and it's not Tony Corrente. Well, there you go. And it's not uh Pete Morelli who retired. Yes. <laughs> um all right. So we'll see how it goes. I hope for the Eagles' sake and the Eagles fans' sake, listen to this that we're wrong and the Eagles pull out a big win because that'd be a lot of fun to do that Monday Night Football. But we'll see. It'll be a good game, I think. Uh, Jimmy, any final thoughts? Uh, no, just looking forward to it. In fact, I, what I'm really looking forward to, and nobody cares about this, but I don't really get many opportunities to just sit in front of the TV on Sunday and watch it and like watch the full slate of games. So, like, yep. I am very, very much looking forward to doing that on because I'm not flying out to Dallas until like super early on Monday morning. So I'll have all day on Sunday to lay around, do nothing, uh, shove a lot of pizza and other fried foods into my face. So I'm uh, looking for that. Also get vaccinated, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. You have to be vaccinated. You have to show proof of vaccination to actually come to Pistolas del Sur on Monday night for the Eagles Cowboys Monday night football game watch party that bleeding green nation will be having at that event. We'll be, you know, we'll be there. Seamus will be there. I will be there. We'll be watching the game and hanging out, so it'll be fun, and come if you want to come. It'd be great to see you. Uh, as far as final thoughts for me, Jimmy, I'm glad Survivor is back. They came back yesterday, last night. Season 41 it was really exciting. Don't want to you know talk about it too much Season in detail. Season 41? For... Yeah, Jimmy. It's been going on since, I think, 2000? I don't think I've ever watched years? that show. I mean, I've seen oh, like a, a like a, like a, an episode here and there, I guess, or whatever, but I've never like watched a season of that show. I think you would like it. Uh, I feel like people who like sports would like it. There's like a comp- you know, there's competitive element. It's it's beyond reality TV to me. Like I think a lot of people like think it's like like have a perception of what reality TV is. I'm not even like the biggest reality TV guy, but I love Survivor. Okay. Um, I think it transcends the reality TV genre. So yeah, give it a shot maybe sometime. A lot of people I think did in quarantine and are kind of coming to Survivor newly. There's actually a good season of Survivor to watch on Netflix, Jimmy, if you have Netflix. 41. I think it's, uh, That's cr- it's crazy. What do they have, like two per uh, year? Yeah, typically. Yeah, they do one in like the spring and one in the fall. So RJ is a big fan of Survivor as well. Okay. Um, but he sucks. Who cares? Uh, <laughs> um, no, RJ's great, but I just had to say that. So, uh, all right. Let's wrap this up, Jimmy, because I'm just rambling. BGN Radio brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Go to righttosellin.com. Discount code BGN for 15 BGN15 for 15% off. Same discount code at wildnaturepet.com for 15% off dog treats. You can check out Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at roachrealtors.com or 856-906-9295. Call her. You can text her too, right? If you wanted to. 856-906-9295. At that number. So do that. Uh, check out bleedingyournation.com. Check out phillyvoice.com. Check out the SB Nation NFL show. Check out the other good content we have on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, including uh, our new show, Odds and End Zones, from Seamus and Alonzo Jones. Shout out to Zoe for j- joining the feed. Um, obviously, uh, Rachel's interview with Fletcher Cox. Uh, everything else I missed. We have Eye on the Enemy with John Stolnitz coming up. So a lot of good stuff. The NFC East mixtape. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. Subscribe to the BGN YouTube channel, which you can find by going to Bleeding Green Nation uh, or Google. 
Bleeding Green Nation YouTube, you know, or just go to YouTube and search Bleeding Green Nation even easier and subscribe to that because then you can get the post game show with Aton Shander and Jesse Taylor and Rachelle. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of ton of content coming your way. Too much content, but honestly not enough. So we will talk to you next time, everybody. I've been Brandon Lee Gowton from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky has been Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter and in real life and on phillyvoice.com. Yes, true. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. P-G-N.